Thank you, Landon and Alex. Of course, you probably noticed that that was pre-recorded when Alex was still pregnant. Now we have a beautiful baby, uh, Levi, Alexander, Perry, and uh, we'll have live, they'll be back on board live uh, next Sunday. So we're looking forward to that. We've, 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 we're so excited. This new baby is just amazing. He is gorgeous. He doesn't look like Landon at all. So we're, uh, we're, really, we're really happy about that. And on, so on that note, happy Mother's Day to all of, uh, all of you that are out there. I, as I look around this room, no one in this room is a mother, uh, except so. Uh, <laughs> but to those of you that are out there, uh, as you're celebrating Mother's Day, I hope you have a great Mother's Day and I hope you are able to gather around with those that, the, the children that, uh, you have the children that you love, and I don't know what you do with the rest of them, uh, but uh, hope that you <laughs> hope that you have a great time. So today we're in this, the series about Jesus, and th- this is a little different than the the other first couple of weeks because today I want to talk about something that I, I that stood out to me as as I was preparing several weeks ago, and the Word became flesh. Jesus is the Word. Uh, the very first lesson in this, there's just a couple of words that stood out about the nature and character of Jesus that I think are important to us. And it says in John chapter one, verse 14, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace and truth. So those words, full of grace and truth. Jesus was full of of grace and truth. John testified concerning him. He cried out saying, this is the one whom I spoke about when I said, he who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. Out of his fullness, we have received grace in place of grace already given. Or as some other translations say, grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. There it is again. No one's ever seen God, but the one and only God who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father has made him known. Jesus, as he walked the earth for those three years, was able to master something that that I think as Christians we often struggle with. He was full of grace and he was full of truth. He was truthful without being mean and harsh. Uh, Sometimes, you know, truth is more difficult to the person who's receiving it than to the person who's giving it or to the, even the people that are around. But Jesus was, was truthful. He, he didn't back down from the truth. He was truthful without being mean about it. And he was graceful without being wishy-washy about the truth. In other words, he didn't, he didn't back down from telling the truth because it might be offensive to the Pharisees or, or to, to anyone. So he was, he was graceful, but he was also full of the truth. The Bible tells us that Jesus came to give us grace. Grace, uh, the Bible tells us that grace is a gift. The word grace means uh, unmerited favor or a gift. It's, you know, something you get that you didn't earn. Uh, One way to say it is it's getting what we don't deserve. If you ever get something that you didn't deserve, uh, grace is like a gift that is received. Uh, a gift that's received when you least deserved it. The Bible says, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He extended grace to us 
when we were not even in any way uh, deserving of it. There's nothing we had done to earn it. We weren't seeking it. And yet he graced us when we least deserve it. Uh, not because you did something to earn it. If you do something to earn it, that's wages. That's not a gift. So he, he gives grace to us, not as a wage, because we were good and we've earned grace. You can't earn grace. It's always a gift. And not because you deserve it. We often think about things we deserve. You know, here we're approaching or here we've got Mother's Day. So it seems common uh, and natural that most mothers on Mother's Day are expecting something, right? They're expecting some kind of a gift, uh, flowers or a dinner or an escape from the children. Uh, the very thing that made them mothers they want to escape from. It's a natural thing. Uh, I understand it totally. Uh, but, but, you know, so sometimes we think a gift, you know, it's, it's our birthday, we deserve a gift, or it's our anniversary, we deserve a gift, or it's some accomplishment. There's a, lot of, there's a lot of students graduating right now from college, high school, uh, from all kinds of uh, accolades. And so it's natural, you sort of think, oh, uh, you know, I'm expecting a gift. Uh, but Jesus doesn't give us it, grace because we deserve it. He gives us grace because he wants to. And of course, the greatest gift that God can give us, this is the incredible thing, the greatest God gift that God can give us is himself. So when God gives us the gift, he's, the gift of grace that God is giving us is the gift of relationship with him. He is inviting us into, by grace, he's inviting us into an eternal relationship with him. In Ephesians 1, 7, it says, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace, which he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. I just love that verse. That's always been one of my favorite verses, talking about how God lavishes. He, he just pours out abundantly. You no, know, lavish is not just a little bit. It's, it's a lot. It's that he abundantly pours out his blessings upon us. So Jesus lavishes his grace upon us. Then Jesus said this about the truth, John 14, 6. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus said, there's one way to an eternal relationship with God the Father, and that's through the provision he provided in me and me alone. And that's pretty inflexible and absolute. That is a truth. Jesus said, this is a truth. This is a truth. There's one way to heaven, and I'm it. God has provided a way which it makes sense to me that if God is the Lord of heaven, God is the creator of the universe, he gets to decide the way. We don't get to decide the way. He decides the way that we have relationship with him. So we would have no way of knowing him except that he revealed himself through his word, and then he revealed himself through the eternal word, his son. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. And then we have a, so we have a picture of what God is like, and we have this image of grace and truth. So Jesus says, if you want to know the Father, you got to come through me. I'm the way. So Jesus tells us the truth. That's pretty inflexible. John chapter 8, 31. To the Jews who believed him, Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. I heard someone say a long time ago, the truth will set you free, but first it makes you miserable. When you hear the truth, 
often our response is, oh, this is going to cost me something. But, it, but the result is he gives us freedom. See, to us, we struggle with truth, especially in our culture today, because truth seems unbending and inflexible. And in many ways it is. You think about what Jesus just said. Jesus just said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. We live in an age, and this is not the first age that's been this way. We're not the first group of people that have been this way. This has been a problem for thousands and thousands of years. When people consider their own version of the truth, their experience of the truth, their beliefs about the truth to be the truth. In other words, they're interpreting the truth through their own lens. They believe that their own opinions are above correction or direction. Excuse me for a minute. They have difficulty seeing the truth if it disagrees with their beliefs. So if, it's, if it doesn't align with their opinion, then they reject the truth. Jesus described people like that this way. In them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah. You will be ever hearing, but never understanding. You will be ever seeing, but never perceiving. For this people's heart has become calloused. They're, they hardly hear with their ears, and they've closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn, and I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes because you see, and your ears because they hear. It's interesting what, Je- interesting what Jesus is saying here is they can't hear because they can't hear, and they can't see because they can't see. They're seeing but not seeing, and they're hearing and not hearing. So, we have to approach the truth and being willing to hear the truth and listen to the truth and be changed by the truth instead of trying to bend the truth to our opinion, bend the truth to our ideal. I mean, we see it in every social media venue where now, because people can express themselves without being seen, uh, they can express themselves without much cost, people are willing to say their opinion like it is God. And they're very strong about their opinions. So the opinion has taken the place in many people's hearts of truth. But we want to be people who can, can hear and can see that, that we're teachable. We can hear from God. We can hear from the Word of God. We can, we can align ourselves with the truth. Jesus was filled with unbending, uncompromising truth. He was hard on those who resisted the truth, and he was graceful on those who received the truth. And that's what we want to be. We want to, we want to be, have a hard line about the truth, but we also want to be graceful to those who receive the truth. They rejected anything outside of their understanding of the truth and, and weren't open to the revelation that Jesus was the Messiah because he did not fit their prescribed view of what the Messiah would look like. But if they had searched the scriptures, as Jesus explained to them the scriptures, if they had searched the scriptures, they would see that Jesus as the suffering Messiah was exactly the Messiah that God had predicted. That Jesus was going to come and suffer, that he wasn't going to come up and set up at this time a temporary kingdom, but that he was going to suffer to establish an eternal kingdom. So because they weren't able to look past their preconceived ideas, they missed the truth. And we do that all the time.
If we, if we as believers, as Christians, if we're committed to the truth, then we have to let the truth overrule our opinions. We have to let the truth uh, of God determine our truth instead of letting our opinions determine the truth. John 8, 31, Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, if you hold my teaching and you're really my disciples, then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Jesus was full of grace and truth. In other words, he, he balanced that. He balanced that ability to tell the truth to people without compromise, without being mean, and yet be graceful to people that needed grace because they were hurting and broken without being wishy-washy about the truth. And there's probably no greater example of that than the story that we see in the Bible. It's called the Samaritan woman, the woman who is at the well. So Jesus meets this woman, uh, John chapter four. So he left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. Now he had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son, Joseph. Jacob's well was there and Jesus tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. So it's right in the middle of the day. You can imagine it's hot. They've been on a long journey. Jesus is tired. He sits down by the well. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? And his disciples had gone into the town to buy food. So it's the middle of the day. <clears throat> As the story would go, here's a, here's a woman who's coming in the middle of the day, <clears throat> excuse me, to draw water. And why? Why would she come in the middle of the day? Well, probably because she, she's got a history. She's got a story. She's made some mistakes in life. She's, she's someone that other people are going to talk about. She's someone who's messed up her life to the degree that she doesn't want to have to face the jeers and the ridicule of the people that she's going to encounter at the well in the early morning hours when everyone else would be at the well. So she goes in a, an unusual time she goes in the middle of the day, and there in the middle of the day, she meets Jesus. And Jesus says to her, just clearly, <clears throat> would you give me something to drink? And the Samaritan woman said to him, you're a Jew, and I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. So you have to think, the Samaritans were a group in Israel, had split off from Israel. So you had Israel and Judah. And the southern states stayed faithful to God longer than the northern uh, part of Israel. Uh, and so during that time, the Samaritans began to worship differently. They began, instead of going to Jerusalem to the temple, they worshiped at Mount Gerizim. And so the Jews considered this an abomination. You can imagine the Jews considered this a horrible thing that they had compromised the truth of God's word and they were kind of halfway doing what God had called them to do. So they had developed their own way of doing it. And so because of that, the Jews kind of always kept arm's length away from the Samaritans. So she's saying, hey, how is it that you being a Jew are talking to me? I'm a Samaritan. Jesus answered and said, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asked you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. He said, if you knew what you were asking, if you knew who you were asking, then he would give you, I would give you living water. And so the woman said, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. 
Where can you get this living water? She's still thinking, of course, in the physical terms of water. Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us this well and drank from him himself, as did also his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water, you drink this water, you always need some more of it, right? Because you get thirsty again. Everyone who drinks, Jesus said, of this water will get thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them, what water is this? What is this living water that he has? Everyone that drinks the water that I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up into eternal life. He said, not only is this going to quench your temporary thirst, this is going to quench the longings of your soul. This is going to give you living water that's going to well up, not just temporary, not just for the moment, not for the right now, but for eternal life. So the woman said, sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. So he said to her, go call your husband and come back. Wait a minute. That doesn't fit the conversation at all. Give me some of this water so that I won't have to come back to the well. And Jesus says, well, first go call your husband and then come back. And she said, I have no husband. She replied. Jesus said to her, you're right when you say you have no husband. The fact is you've had five husbands. And the man you now have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. There was a, there was a thirst in this woman a thirst in her soul that five husbands had not filled. It's a pretty good bet that number six wasn't going to help much either. Because she was looking like most of us do. She was looking for fulfillment in the wrong places. There's a thirst in the human spirit. There's a thirst in the soul that can only be met through Jesus Christ. Only Jesus Christ can give us this living water. Fame can't do it. Money can't do it. Popularity, stuff, all, all of those things. You know, everybody loves all of those things, but they won't fill up the longing of your soul. You can see how very, very famous people have made it to the top and they're still unhappy because once they reach the top, they realize that it did not fulfill them to reach the goals that they had set before them, whether it was money or power or popularity or esteem in a particular sport or area because it was not enough to fulfill the longing in their soul. There was a moment of victory. There was a moment of of achievement, and then it was gone, and the emptiness returns. Jesus said, I'm going to give you something that's not just temporary. It's not going to just fulfill that longing in your soul for a moment, but it's going to well up from within you. It's going to be eternal. It's going to spring up from within you. Now, you think about it. This is some pretty pretty hard truth that he says to this woman. Jesus says to this woman, hey, go get your husband. She's like, "Uh, uh, I don't have a husband. Jesus said, yeah, you're right. You've had five. And the man you're living with now, this number six, is not your husband. So you have to think, why? This is a hard saying. Jesus loved this woman enough to offend her with the truth. 
you know, sometimes our relationships don't go forward because we're not willing to tell the truth. And we struggle with this. We struggle with this. How do we tell the truth in a graceful way? How do we tell the truth in such a way that we're telling it for that person's benefit and not our benefit? You know, a lot of times we want to tell the truth because we want to get it off our chest. We'd like to tell somebody off. I'd like to just tell you just exactly what I think because I've got to tell the truth. You know, I'm a person of the truth. I'm going to tell you exactly what I think. So we're not really telling the truth because we want to help that person. We're telling the truth selfishly. We're telling the truth because we feel like we, want, we need to say our opinion of the truth. We feel like we need to say what, what we need to say. But Jesus didn't, wasn't saying what he needed to say for his benefit. He was saying what he said for her benefit. He was saying what he was saying to set her free. Jesus said, you'll know the truth and the truth will set her free. This woman had been in a cycle of looking to men to fulfill her. One, two, three, four, five, six. It didn't work. Men couldn't fulfill her. Men couldn't make her happy. Yeah, maybe, maybe there was a change for a while. Maybe it was great for a while, but it didn't fill that eternal longing in her soul. Only Jesus can do that. He offered her the truth with grace because he had the answer. See, he was graceful to give her the answer. He had the answer to her emptiness. You see, a lot of times I think what we do with the truth, we present a problem, but we don't present a solution. We tell people what they're doing wrong, <laughs> but we don't tell them how to do it right. So Jesus was able to convey grace, con- convey truth with incredible grace, even though this was hard truth. So this is the woman's response. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you're a prophet. Duh. I can see that you can see things that nobody else can see. Here you've walked up to this well. I've never seen you before, and you know my life. How do you know my life except you're a prophet from God? Our ancestors worshiped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. So it's kind of like, hey, this is a, hey, this is enough about me. Let's talk about the finer points of religion. So she's wanting to destroy, you know, you can imagine this is uncomfortable place she's at. Jesus said, hey, you've had five husbands. It's your sixth husband. What's going on in your life? What's happening? Woman, Jesus replied, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. Now, Jesus said there's coming a time, and Jesus is the, is the time. Jesus is the end of temple worship. Jesus is the fulfillment of worship in a place. Here, this is the great thing. Here we are gathered together around all kinds of devices all over, the, all over the country, all over the city, all over the state. We've got people gathered all around, and here we are gathered together. We're not in the temple. You know, we're, we're gathered together because Jesus is the temple. Jesus made us the temple. Jesus gives us his relationship with him and fills us with his spirit so that we are the temple. So now the temple is not a place you go to. The temple is who we are. We take the temple with us. We are the temple of God. We are taking the representation of God everywhere we go. So he says, hey, there's coming a time. It's going to be soon when we, you don't need a temple. You don't have to go offer sacrifices. There's going to be one sacrifice for all time finally made. You Samaritans worship what you don't know. 
We worship what we do know for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit and his worshipers must worship in the spirit and in the truth. And the woman said, I know that Messiah called Christ is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. And Jesus declared, I'm the one speaking to you. I'm he. I am explaining it to you. I am the Messiah. I have come to explain the truth to you. Just then his disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking with a woman because this is way outside the social norms. This was way outside everybody's comfort zone. So all the disciples walk up and they're all looking at their feet because nobody wants to make eye contact. No one asks, what do you want or why are you talking with her? Then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to town and said to the people, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? They came out of the town and made their way toward him. Now, verse 39, many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them and stayed two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. They said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves and we know this man really is the savior of the world. So this is a challenge to us. How can we be like Jesus? That's the purpose of these sermons. We want to be just like Jesus. How can we be like Jesus? We want to be people who are committed to the truth of God's word, the uncompromising truth, where we lay our opinions and our experiences at the feet of Jesus, at the feet of his truth, and we we don't let the opinions of the day rule us, but we also want to be filled with grace. Jesus offered this woman not condemnation for a really messed up life. He wasn't just telling her about her five husbands and the number six that she's living with just to embarrass her. He's telling her to help her encounter who she is and where she is and where she's tried to find fulfillment in her life. And so he made it, he made a trade with her. He said, Hey, I want to offer you something better. You've been settling for temporary fulfillment. And I want to offer you eternal life, living water. Isn't that an incredible trade that Jesus came? Jesus came to offer us living water, eternal life. Isn't it important for us as the body of Christ, believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, that as we offer truth, that we do it with grace? As we offer offer grace, that we do it with truth? that we, like Jesus, be filled with grace and truth, that we can show the compassion of Christ, yet we can stand unerringly on the Word of God, trusting God's Word, trusting what Jesus has said, believing Him with all of our hearts, and be the people of God who are committed to grace and truth. That's our call as God's people. That's what the world needs. The world needs people who are committed to both grace and truth. Let's pray. Lord, as we go out into a a broken, hurting world, just, just like this woman at the well, so many people have encountered so many things in their lives that have broken them and wounded them and hurt them, mistakes that they have made, 
things that they have done themselves, things that have been done to them by others, sometimes things that have been even been done by the church. So Lord, help us as your people to adequately, adequately represent you to the world and that we would be full of grace and full of truth that we would give the world the uncompromising message that Jesus Christ is the only way to the Father, but we would do it with such grace that it would be an aroma of life. It would be a light in a dark place. It would be a city set on a hill. In Jesus' name, amen. It's been great being with you today. Have a great Mother's Day. We'll see you next week. Bye.